Let's continue as well on the theme for the month, the church, a building of living stones. First Peter 2, verse 5 and 6 is our main text. It reads, you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Living Translation reads, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What more? You are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. There are many, many similes in the Bible, many types and shadows that the Bible uses to describe who we are as the body of Christ. Many examples. We are called the body. In this instance, we are called a temple. And all these similes are very important to define to us what our role is as the church of Jesus Christ. And when I say the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not referring to this local church. I'm talking about all of us as the universal church believers all around the world from all parts of the world. This verse is telling us that we are the temple of the living God. We do know in the Old Testament, temples were built where people would go and have worship there. And the presence of God or the glory of God was confined within a building. In this instance, the Bible tells us that much as we have buildings like this, we are the temple of the living God. And we are built, the Bible says, as living stones. We see this building, it's built of brick. Some buildings, as it was in the Old Testament, were built out of stones. You know, these bricks don't have life in them at all. But we are that temple that is made up of living stones. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells us that he is the builder of the temple. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is telling us this building that he's going to build is going to be a building that will prevail, a building that will win, a building that will have victory, a building that is not just dead, but a living building that consists of living members. We read as well in Ephesians chapter 4 that God uses the ministries of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers to do this work of building. But even more interestingly, this building, not only is it built through the apostles and the prophets, Jesus being the main contract worker, if we may, but that this building grows as each brick does its work, as each stone does its work. We find that in Ephesians chapter 4, that as each brick or as each stone does its work, this building grows and it becomes strong. But then it says something. It says, we are built on this building and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. What does it mean? He is the foundation. A cornerstone is, or is also called a foundation stone or a setting stone. It is the first stone that is set in the construction of a masonry foundation. So this particular stone becomes important, particularly in those days when buildings were built out of stones. The stone becomes important because all of the other stone set, are set in reference to this stone. If the stone is set in a certain way, all the other stone in terms of positioning 
have to position themselves in line with these stones. What, what, what that means is that you and I are to take our example from Jesus Christ. We cannot further a gospel or propagate a gospel that Jesus didn't lay the foundation thereof. So the foundation of this building, as it's built, it's built, and we are the living stones. Now, we also know that in these temples that were built, not only were these temples built, but there was activity that happened in these temples. The priests would come and offer sacrifices. And so the verse that we have read says, not only are we living stones that are built up a spiritual house, but we are also a holy priesthood. Every one of us here is a priest. Look at the priest next to you and say, hello, priest, you know, it's good to see you. And it says, just like the priests offered sacrifice in the Old Testament, we are also to offer spiritual sacrifices. And it says the sacrifices, they are acceptable to God. What we want to talk about very briefly this morning is these spiritual sacrifices. As a priest, as living stones, as those who are priests in the temple of God, what are these spiritual sacrifices? Well, let's take our pattern from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the priest, first of all, offered prayers. All right? That's the thing that priests did. So, as priests, that's why our main function is to offer prayer. That's why we thank you, President, for that uh, exhortation and encouragement and request as well. That's what the church does. The church needs to pray. That's why we started praying last week, Monday, right through to Wednesday, the church must pray. The book of Timothy tells us, first of all, that prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks should be made for all men. Then it says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So the first thing we must do as priests is to offer prayer. The church needs to be about prayer. You know, sometimes when we gather for prayer meetings, we have a lot more sermons and a lot more speeches than we have prayer. So on the 22nd, with the prayer march, we're going to do a lot more praying than, than anything else. Of course, a, a lot of marching, only 2.3 kilometers. That's not a lot, all right? And a lot of praying. But we ought to be people who pray because over and above all our efforts, when everything is said and done, it is God's intervention that is able to change things. Even as we talk to people in our nation, in our country, after we have talked to them, lobbied them, and explained, it's only God who can soften the hearts of the people. It's only God who can really speak in the hearts of the people in a manner that we cannot. And so we ought to be about prayer. The second thing as priests, priests not only offered prayer in the Old Testament, but they offered sacrifices. So... What are the sacrifices that we ought to offer? I'm going to talk about just a few of them. The first sacrifice we read about is in Romans 6 and in Romans chapter 12 is the sacrifice of yourself. In the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices of goats and sheep and, and turtle doves and everything. But in our case, we offer the sacrifice of ourselves. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, it's called a living sacrifice because sacrifices in the Old Testament, they would kill the animal first before they place it on the altar. In this instance, no one is going to kill us. But on our own volition, we offer ourselves to God to do the work of God. 
So the New Testament teaches us that we need to yield ourselves to God. God wants to use every one of us. In the New Testament, God uses everybody. It's not like in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was the king, the priest, the prophet, and the judges that were used by God. People would go to the prophet to hear what the word of the Lord is. They would go to the priest to have sacrifices done and prayer offered. They would go to the king for the king to lead and guide them. They would go to the judges to be the peacemaker. And it was only these four upon whom the spirit of God came. The king, the priest, the prophet, and the judge. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon all of us. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, whether you've been to Bible school or you have not been to Bible school, you can be used by God. And so every one of us offer ourselves and we offer our bodies as instruments to the glory of God. Each day we need to yield our members afresh and anew. And that is why it's so vital for us that every day we become God's instruments in our communities. God's instruments in our home. God's instruments wherever we go. Wherever we see things not being done well, we should be the ones who are to speak up. We see in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles 6.13, how Solomon placed a scaffolding. And the Bible tells us that he knelt before the congregation, got onto the scaffolding, and spread his hands towards heaven. What Solomon was doing was, in essence, to show a sign of presenting himself before God. So every one of us, we need to say, God, will you use my mouth to speak peace? Will you use my mouth to speak encouragement? May my hands never abuse anybody. May these hands never kill anybody. May you use my hands to build somebody's life, to help somebody who is in need. Oh God, will you use my strength as a young person to build up and not to tear down. May I build buildings and not burn buildings. Can I hear an amen in this place? May I be a reconciler and not one who will bring division. So we offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. Secondly, we are shown in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, and Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, that our time can be used as a sacrifice. We offer the sacrifice or the offering of our time. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 5 tells us to live in a wise way. Let's have that Ephesians 5, verse 16. Let's have it up on the screen, please. The Bible tells us to live in a lovely way. It says, let's go back to verse, uh, verse 15. Uh, uh, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Next verse. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let's have that in the Amplified Bible. You know, the Bible is challenging us. When days are evil, you make a choice to live in a different way. When others are destroying, you make a choice to be a builder. Not what it says. Verse, let's go to verse 15 first of all, please. 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. I love the next one. It says, live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise sensible, intelligent people. Tell the person next to you, I am wise, sensible, and intelligent. Then it says, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity 
Because the days are evil. What this verse means when you explore it, it says there is a certain way of living. That when you live at that level, even the lost time can be brought back. Oh yeah. You know, the president was telling us at the back and he even said it here that, you know, our image has been tarnished around the world. And it's going to take a lot of work for us to regain that. But I believe as we do what is right, as we redeem the time, as we do what is good, God's going to be able to turn that image around. There's a way of living. There are certain things that when we do, even things that have been broken from the past, God somehow is able to repair those things. God somehow is able to redeem the time. But it is when we use our time as a gift from God. Note this. All of us in the world of unfairness, in the world of inequality, there's one thing that we are all equal in. No one, no one, none of us here has been shortchanged. We all have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 360, five and a quarter days, and 366 on leap year days. All of us. The sun rises on all of us. We all have the same amount of time. However, when we look at the outcomes of our lives, the outcomes of our lives may not all be the same. If you want to exclude issues where people are marginalized, disenfranchised, they have other issues, I understand that, and that's true, that's legitimate. However, even for those who may have been born on the right side of life, if I may say so, you find that the outcomes of our life are not the same. And so the question to be asked is, why? Well, the answer is, it is in how we use our time. It's what we commit ourselves to. So when we use our time in a way that honors God, when we use our time in a way that lifts God up, then we are able to redeem the time. And the Bible says it becomes a sacrifice that we offer before God. In conclusion, the next good works we find is in James chapter 2, which is... Uh, the sacrifice, rather, of good works. Our good works. James chapter 2, verse 20 says, faith without works is dead. And the background of this is James is asking his countrymen, if you see somebody who doesn't have clothes and they come to you asking for clothes, if you pray for them, even if prayer is good, you really haven't responded to the actual need. If someone is without food, if you pray for them, then you haven't really solved the problem. Then it says, even if you have faith, if your faith has no corresponding action, it's just as good as though you don't have faith. So we want to give to God the sacrifice of our good works. We want to thank you, therefore, uh, as a congregation, for having given the food that we took, Kokatlehong, and having brought the pampas seller and all the sanitary pads and all the things that you brought, we thank you for it. Will you give yourselves a hand? Thank you, everyone, for that. We as people of faith should be doing good works to all people, regardless of who they are. Whether they go to church or they don't go to church. Whether we know them or we don't know them. We should do good works. Whether they are someone who is a local or someone from outside this country, we should do good works. God wants us to do good. God has called us to a life of faith, but a faith that produces the fruit, the fruit of obedience. It's a vital faith that must always go forth that is demonstrated in our good works. We know that our good works will not make a way for us in heaven. We know we go to heaven by receiving Christ. But as we read further, 
we know that our good works will ensure that when we get to heaven, God will give us some rewards. And God will recognize that. When we read the stories of many people, and I like the one of Cornelius, one day he was praying and an angel appeared to him. And this is what the angel said to Cornelius. The angel said, Cornelius, your prayers and your good works have come up as a memorial before God. See, God listens to prayer and God looks at good works. God looks at us how we treat other people. God looks at how we respond to people who are in crisis. God looks at us when we try to do what is good to other people. And I believe as the temple of God, as living stones, as priests before our God, we can offer our sacrifices, the sacrifice of good works, and bring it before God to the glory of God. As we conclude now this morning, I want to take time just to pray with you. You've been in the service. Some of you probably, you, you have been invited by someone. You have come this morning. And I want to challenge you about that sacrifice of giving of your life to God. You know, only God is able to change and, and transform our lives. You know, we try to live our lives the best way that we can as human beings. And things get out of control. But God is a God of love and a God of grace who's able to turn our lives around and change our lives. Sometimes we go through life, you know, feeling a sense of emptiness in our hearts or feeling like nobody loves us and nobody cares. Or sometimes we walk around with guilt and, and condemnation because we see ourselves doing things and we don't know how to stop those things. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to change and transform our lives and to transform us and to make us to be God's children. Shall we bow our heads together as we pray this morning? Our heads bowed, please, our eyes closed. If you're here this morning and, and you're saying, I do want to invite Jesus Christ into my life to change me, make me a child of God, turn my life around, would you please pray for me? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need the prayer, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you. Thank you for those hands. Keep them raised, please. If you don't mind, would you stand on your feet, please? Those of you who raised your hands, would you just stand on your feet? Thank you, my brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you, lady. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for those who raised their hands. You know, this kind of decision, we take it very seriously. Because we know it is only in us saying, God, here's my life. Here's my broken life. Will you come into my life and change me and transform me? It's only in doing that that God is able to transform us. But you need to make that prayer yourself and pray it before God. So I want to invite all of you who are standing, those of you who raised your hands and you are standing where you are, if you could please come from where you are standing and just make your way to the front, all right? As you come, please take all your belongings, okay? Your Bible, your bag, your pairs. Don't leave anything of yours. Please just come right now. Will you all come? Ashas, please, can you, can you assist the people who are standing there? Thank you, Lord. Come, let's pray with you.